Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Company. Damn, I didn't even, I almost didn't make it inside, John. John Vontobles here, it's Cofield, Silver 7's on a Thursday. Crank it up! Um, it's so nice out. I was basking, I was basking. Oh, By the way, nice, weather? nice, nice vet and uh, whatever. I forget the other car, but uh, nice uh, weather. That's fine. That's fine. Is that your vet? Yeah. You just got it? There you go. Of course. Being a Von Tobel has its perks. Does it? Not really. <laughs> sure it does. You're still a big name in town with a school and a park named after you. That's right. I mean, it's mostly with the, like, 65 and older crew. You're a Von Tobel, eh? <laughs> the fortune is coming at some point. So, that's right. At some point. Keep reminding so, my dad how much better I am than my sister. So I think it was you and I here last week. If not, uh, we certainly – I know we commented on the weird day that Thursday was on the betting odds board for the NFL draft. And Adam Hill and I had been speaking about, and along with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, about uh, Justin Fields and how uh, we'd been shopping for value, number three pick. We don't believe Mac Jones is going to go to the Niners. Oh, we got him. Got Justin Fields at like 225, 250, 260. Uh, and then during the show, I guess a bunch of money came in because all of a sudden Justin Fields went from sizable dog behind Mac Jones to the favorite at minus 130. And oh, how quickly things change. Justin Fields now with uh, some bad news coming out yesterday. And we addressed this, uh, but I'm curious to see how the NFL reacts to Justin Fields uh, dealing with epilepsy, a doctor saying, be fine hasn't had issues with it in the past should grow out of it but you know the way the nfl draft is you know where the teams are any reason to freak out and panic and drop guys any you know check mark negative check mark on the resume sends them into a tizzy so i would say for a, so a couple of things i one it is amazing that justin fields is going to become the first player ever in nfl history to deal with epilepsy <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, no, that's that's not true. Alan Fanica was a very famous player who dealt with it. But I don't, one of the things that I think we always forget about when it comes to the NFL draft, right? And, look, the betting odds can only move on information. It's why bookmakers, you can talk to any of them, will tell you that they're not really keen on putting out odds very early because they can get killed on some of these, right? Yeah. Because the information, they're reacting to everything just like you. You know, you mentioned odds moving on fields. I don't even think it was money. I think they just saw the report that Kyle Shanahan and Justin Fields had a, quote, long conversation after a second pro day, and you just flip the odds because it looks like that's going to be the guy. But what I find funny about this, because now Fields is no longer the favorite anymore, Matt Jones is the favorite now, odds on favorite, to go third overall, is the concept of, like, sliding up and down draft boards and things of that nature – like 31 NFL teams opened up Twitter today and were like, wait, wait a minute, what? Justin Fields has epilepsy? Let's downgrade this guy quick. Like, I'm sure a lot of these NFL teams knew about this already, but we are learning about it now. Right. Well, I think the point of the story was that he told NFL teams, and now it's just coming out, that it made the rounds. Right. Well, but my point is, though, but the odds change, right? So the odds flip on this information, even though it was probably already known within league circles. So what I'm saying is, like, when our instance, right, where I have Justin Fields plus 180, what's Adam having at plus 250, whatever number you have him at, and I put it in the notes when I send it to you, LOL, I feel perfectly fine in my spot. Like, it's going to be fine. I've, it, everything remains the same, barring, again, a gas mask bong that pops up on Justin Fields during the draft. For the most part, his status remains the same with all these teams. So however you handicapped it before this news, it should remain generally the same. We're going to continue today with our path to the draft while we're down here at Silver 7s and uh, bring up 
the number four pick. That's the Atlanta Falcons. So later in the show, we'll bring in an Atlanta expert to talk about uh, Fields, who certainly could be in play Mm -hmm. at the four pick, could be in play at the three pick, could be, hey, according to uh, Charlie Casserly last week, maybe he knew all about this stuff. And uh, he was speculating. He said Fields will drop into the 20s, which, you know, others said I would, I don't know, I forget. Someone wanted to make a bet. They wanted to eat like a ream of paper or something. No, well, somebody, if, if Fields dropped into the 20s. I saw somebody said they would shotgun a jar of mayonnaise. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> Doug Farrar said he would shotgun a jar of mayonnaise. Which, I mean, I have money on it. I would, I would willingly take that L if I could watch him shotgun a jar of mayonnaise. Do you think he'll do it? Probably not. No. I mean, that's more doable than like some of these people are like, oh, eat your jacket if it happens, you know. That kind of stuff. Uh, NBA last night. What was that? Was that Pat Mahomes playing basketball in a seven foot two seventy form? How cool was that? Joel Embiid with one of the more incredible full court shot attempts we've ever seen. It was a miss, but still incredible. Right. For those who didn't see it, it's a you know it's a free throw situation, waning seconds, so like eight tenths of a second left on the clock. Chris Paul intentionally front rims the shot so that they don't get a look at it, and Embiid snatches it out of the air and immediately just rifles it down court. in one motion. In one, yeah, in this, one. Think, think about how hard it is to throw a basketball from about five feet in front of the opposing hoop and get it all the way to the other end. Generally, you would make or you would have a running start. Yeah. He did it rebound, like almost like scoop and throw off his front foot. And it freaking backboard, round the rim, and out. Yep. Oh, uh, I was hoping. He w- he wins MVP if that goes in. I think actually <laughs> that would have clinched it. <laughs> no, I don't it, care what it, happens. It, it would be one of – we know the MVP in a lot of ways is a narrative-based contest and a popularity contest. If you have the viral video of the begin, you know, the sports viral video of the beginning of this year, you make an 85-footer. Right. That might actually change the voting from Nikola Jokic to – Joel Embiid. I, that that would have been so cool. And, like, even just the miss itself is cool. Like, it's probably the coolest miss shot ever outside of Swaggy P. Remember where he threw, he threw the shot up and then turned around and oh, threw up the three? So it, good. It rimmed out behind him. He's celebrating. <laughs> it's such a great gift. But this is, this is probably the, the best miss shot in basketball history. It has to be. The other big story, and there's a lot of big stories. We'll get to LeBron and his tweet. That he deleted, and then an explanation after that, and a lot of people are very angry. And, you know, LeBron gives you a chance to go after him. You're going to go after him. The Knicks in the NBA, nutty story. I didn't think they'd be this good. I didn't think the coach would make this much of a difference. Give people the numbers. So the New York Knicks, for those who haven't been keeping up, have won eight consecutive games. Uh, But it goes a little bit deeper than that. They have covered 11 straight. They are 11-0 against the spread in their last 11 games. But what's even more credible, like you know, with Tom Thibodeau, it's not surprising that they're one of the better defensive teams in the league. And over this stretch and on the season, they're the fourth best team in terms of efficiency. But how about during this winning streak, Steve? They have the fourth best offensive rating in the league. Last night against the Hawks, their offensive rating 126.9, which is a very freaking good offensive rating. During the course of these 11 games, they're shooting over 40% from three. Julius Randle is averaging nearly 30 points, has dropped 40 points twice. Derrick Rose has scored 15 points a game on 50% shooting. Reggie Bullock shooting 43%. They've been nuts, dude. They've been absolutely incredible during this run. It's so, it's, look, I'm a New York hater, but it's cool to see. You can bet, uh, going back to Philly, you can bet the game uh, tonight. It's coming up in about two hours at the William Hill Sportsbook right here. Racing Sportsbook, by the way. Simulcast Racing is back, but right here at Silver 7. Sixers getting eight. Money line on it's 290. They're at the Bucks. The total is... 225. All right, when we come back, we'll get into the LeBron tweet. We'll also get into a big yawn, right? Ho-hum. It's what we've come to expect. The Golden Knights clinch another 
playoff berth. They've been in the playoffs every freaking year because that's the standard they have set. Raiders! Raiders! What's going on here? The standard is set. Start matching the Golden Knights. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Xavier Pope coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll check in on some of the uh, more sensitive topics of the week, important topics as well. Uh, we're two minutes away from getting to LeBron James and his tweet on multiple occasions during the show. Deleted a tweet last night, but I did want to mention uh, Knights last night clinched the playoff spot in the NHL. First team in the league to do it. Uh, it's funny in the AP write-up, you know, jokey, jokey at the top, talking about the uh, the game and the win and the playoff berth. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights are no longer the new kids on the NHL block. They're a perennial powerhouse. You bet your ass they are. Four years. Four playoff appearances. Every franchise in sports should model themselves. Why do you keep looking like that? No, I just it, it just hit me like, yeah, you're right. This is the fourth. You did year. that. You did that a couple minutes ago, and I'm like, do I have it wrong? They've made it four all four years. They've been in existence. No, now, I, last year was a truncated season, so no, it's a I'm little just, bit weird. It's amazing to me how much time flies. Like it's, 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 flown it's by. already been four years. It's <laughs> flown by. Yeah. I didn't mean to snap at you, but yeah, um, yeah four years. Um, and again, I to me the big narrative with the Golden Knights, aside from what they've done in hockey, is our other major league franchise here, which, like, this week coming up is big. They cannot flop in the draft again. No. And, and this vibe around the Raiders where we're like, oh, wait, are they, are they looking to go up? Lateral, go backwards a little bit to rebuild? Like, and I understand. There were some breaks in the expansion draft, but they had to make the right picks. Here's the other thing, though. The Knights have made the playoffs four years in a row. Ten guys remain from the first team. Misfits. Ten guys. This organization is like, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. They made the Stanley Cup final. Coach is out the next year. So, to me, they're the model franchise in all of sports and certainly here in Vegas because they, they keep winning. And then the other one is this rivalry. You ever root for a team that's kind of on the wrong side of the rivalry? And at some point, you're like, this is not a rivalry. I mean, San Diego State and UNLV basketball, like, Rebel fans are really intense. It's been a bad run for the Rebels in that rivalry. The Knights are now 15-1-3 in the regular season against the Sharks, 7-0 and this this year in this weird year where they're just playing their division. Come on! Um, first off, I'm a Colts fan, so Colts Patriots, yeah, wrong side of the round. There you go. Now, yes, yes. I will say, it did culminate in the ultimate moment in the 2006 AFC Championship game where they actually beat them, so that was great. Uh, but, yes, I've been on the wrong side of a rivalry, and I, I agree with absolutely everything. Like, the cool part about Vegas, the Golden Knights, is that mentality where it's very clear there are no loyalties. The loyalty is to winning, yep. and that is it. And if you are not contributing to the ultimate mission, then you are out of here. It's a business. That's it. And sorry, if you're not fitting what we're looking for, we're moving in another direction. Yep. And the other part is, by all accounts, the moves that they make make sense. right? You don't have anonymous scouts and people saying, I don't get what this team is doing, i.e. the Raiders. <laughs> right. right? You don't have those kind of things. You don't have these head-scratching, perplexing moves. You're like, what is the direction and what is the mission here? And that's something where we come to this draft, you've made, I think, draft mistakes already. You can't do it. The margin for error is no more, and now you're competing with another franchise within your own market because you are in danger, despite the fact that you're in the NFL, falling second fiddle because this team is consistently winning and doing the things it needs to do to win. Now that all said, the pat on the back is great. I would hope fans won 
are not caught up in loyalty because it ain't ever going to happen with George McPhee and, and Foley running the squad. They're trying to win. Right. So don't get all bent, you know, when they sign Robin Leonard a long-term deal and Flurry seems to be, you know, in the back seat. Now, Flurry stepped up this year, but other, you know, other hero glant, right? Um, that's just the way it is. Now, the pat, pat on the back is done. If their goal is to win a cup every year, then the fans' goal should be to win a cup every year, and anything short of a cup this year is a failure. And there's nothing wrong with saying that because that's the way it is. That's the way it was with Brady and Belichick. When you're a dominant franchise, it's cup or bust every year. Well, and the franchise themselves, to give them credit, and it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword, they've set those, they've set those expectations yep. themselves. You set the standards. <laughs> right. And you know who else has set a standard? LeBron James. LeBron James' standard is to win titles. He hasn't won it every year. The other standard that I think LeBron has set over the years, the guy has had like three missteps in 25 years in the spotlight. He had one the other day. Hmm? He had one the other day. He tweeted out in relation to the Columbus shooting where a 15-year-old girl died, a picture of the officer involved, your next hashtag accountability with an hourglass emoji. He wound up deleting it. Because I think he saw more of the story. He saw more of the facts. That's not really a great tweet until you know the entire story. Mm -hmm. So he pulled it down. He then explained from there that, and it's, you know, I think he misspelled or missed a couple of words here, but anger doesn't do any of us any good, and that includes myself. Gathering all the facts and educating does, though. My anger is still there for what happened to that little girl, my sympathy for her family, and may justice prevail. Uh, I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's uh, being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer. It's about the entire system, and they always use our words to create more racism. I am so desperate for more accountability. Is that enough? Are the follow-up tweets enough, or did he have to outright say, you know what, I was wrong, I didn't know all the facts, I'm going to be more patient, and I will judge when I get the facts. Did he need to send that out? Because there are people out there who are like, that wasn't good enough. Well, he's not. He, for those people, it's not going to be enough. Even if you apologize, it's not going to be enough, right? Because the damage is done and whatever. And putting this out after sending that out, I think, shows that he realizes his mistake. He shows that, hey, anger is not enough. Now, would you like to hear him say, I need to look up more facts, right? I think he even alludes to it. Educating does, though, gathering all the facts. So, to me, these tweets at least address the issue with the original one. And what you do after that, I think, speaks volumes. But in terms of is it enough, I don't think it's ever going to be enough for a guy like LeBron James and in the, you know, given the temperature of the room where we're at right now at this point. Up next, Xavier Pope's going to check in. Our legal analyst from Chicago, cultural analyst as well. EP is on the way, and we definitely will hit more on uh, LeBron's tweet or hit about uh, LeBron's tweet a little more in the uh, four and five hour. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's with Cofield and Company. Silver 7's here on a Thursday. One of our favorite spots of the week is to check in with our Thursday legal analyst, Culture analyst, the one, the only, Xavier Pope out of Chicago. Dude, it's April. Did I really see videos of snow in Chi-Town? Yeah, dude, it snowed yesterday. <laughs> and it, 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 it snowed on the anim- fifth, you know, fifth anniversary of Prince's death. And he had a song, it Snow in April. And that was fitting. Um, for the week, um, for it snowing in Chicago, I was not happy to see it um, because it was 80 degrees a couple of weeks ago here. Right. Um, and, and I want that back. 
<laughs> yes. Well, we have it most of the year, so I'm not trying to make you jealous. Obviously, Chicago is a cool place to live. It's a little different than Vegas. Let's get into a couple of lighter notes before we get into uh, the George Floyd stuff. And it's pretty cool in the NBA the last couple of days. Did you see Joel Embiid showing off? I don't even know who to compare him to. Patrick Mahomes in terms of the arm. That was incredible. Seven-footer comes down with the ball and throws it, what, 80 feet and almost makes a hoop? What I thought was impressive about that, Steve, was the form on the throw. Yeah. Um, the release looked like a good shot. And it looked like a superhuman just taking a jump shot, which was really wild. It, I mean, I know that Space Jam 2 is coming out soon, but he looked like one of the monsters with that one. It's it's been uh it's been a pretty cool week, one of the monsters, yeah. It's been a pretty cool week uh around the NBA. Uh if if you don't like Steph Curry, and I'm not the biggest fan of Steph Curry, but I gotta appreciate what he's doing. At this age, he's gone crazy here. He just had a run of like ten games with so 72-3, so celebrating his greatness has been cool. Although I did see, I think in the last five days, you sent out a tweet about Draymond Green where you seemed a little frustrated with, uh, we call him Dr. Dre because he's the uh, master of kinesiology. He's an expert on everything. But uh, why were you annoyed with Draymond Green? Yeah, I mean, we keep seeing at these end-of-game situations, Draymond Green inserting himself as if he is the alpha of the team, and he's most certainly not. There was a game a couple nights ago where – you know, he faked, faked a, a pass off to Steph Curry, and then he decides to drive to the bucket and completely blow a layup. Um, and, and you know, there were two, and then there was a Bazemore. He missed two free throws. And that basically cost a, a, an incredible game that, that Steph put up. And uh, this is uh, against the Boston Celtics, um, a game they definitely should have won. But it was an incredible performance by but Jason Tatum and that 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 kid is growing up. He's grown, you know, several inches or inches more than I know he's grown up more than a couple inches. And his body looks different. His game looks different. So it's not just Steph Curry that's putting up great performances. Jason Tatum is playing is playing lights out right now. Uh, Nikola Jokic, um, he, he's playing uh, playing MVP level um, basketball right now. Um, you're just seeing a lot of really great performances as this league. Um, shows what he can do, but it's it's coming down to the, the, the final stretches and, and team. You're seeing some really great performances, but Steph Curry has made himself appointment NBA. I want to see every game he's playing. Yeah, I'm rooting hard for another older guy, 35-year-old Chris Paul. I think it's amazing what the Suns have done and going from, you know, sort of a moribund franchise for the longest time and now they're right there with the, you know, one of the best records in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, Everywhere Chris Paul goes, the team turns from a loser to a winner. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about that. We, with, no one thought that Oklahoma City would be a playoff team last year with Chris Paul on it. They make the playoffs. Um, n- no one thought that the, the Phoenix Suns would be the second best team in the Western Conference, but here they are. I mean, we know that Devin Booker hit, having getting his first All Star, uh, and you know, and the, what that team is able to do talent wise. But we've seen some, a lot of surprises in the NBA. That also contributes to this being an exciting season. The New York Knicks snags fourth seed in the Eastern Conference with Julius Randle, the MVP candidate, um, and, and they're on they're on a run right now. And so you're seeing some teams making a real push. And what the standings look like this year is completely different from last year. Of course, with all the injuries we've seen with. Um, with Jamal Murray getting hurt, you see LeBron James, AD, with uh, NKD and uh, Harden, and that that lineup shuffling back and forth. But it, it's been an interesting season. The Western Conference pretty much is, is basically flipped upside down. We have no idea who's going to come out of that conference, particularly with the injuries there. Well, it's been an interesting season because uh, it's all you know the last uh, this season and the end of last season has all been done under the specter uh, dealing with 
racial inequity. A lot of sports talk radio was abuzz today, Xavier, with LeBron James and his tweet. He deleted a tweet. He sent out a tweet concerning the Columbus incident with uh, Micaiah Bryant, and he has now deleted it. This just comes under the, sh- the shadow of the George Floyd verdict, which was a very emotional verdict, and the nation was hanging at a thread, knowing, wondering whether there was going to be justice um, for the family of George Floyd and also the many hashtags of those that victim to to the to the issues of police misconduct. And this incident with Makia Bryant, this happened only 125 miles from where he grew up in Akron, Ohio. And so this was something that was more personal to LeBron James you know, playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so he put out a tweet. You are next um, of the officer that 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 was involved in the killing of Makia Bryant and the video came out and showed what happened and showed the 10 seconds between the time the officer got out of the automobile, his automobile, and, and then shooting Makia Bryant. And I, I think that LeBron James, in the heat of the moment, put out a tweet. And re- while the verdict was being read, this happened. And so it was just, hey, we're, we just, it's like a, we, LeBron is responding like this is like whack-a-mole. Every time we look and see one hashtag and there is another hashtag that comes comes about. And LeBron James and his efforts and work uh, last summer after the shooting of Jacob Blake uh, was to create a system where we had voting in multiple NBA cities. It worked. And so him using his power and his voice to be able to speak towards a, a social issue, it was heated. He put the face of an officer. People can talk about it being doxed, whether it was a mistake or not. But I will say this. LeBron James was quicker to take his tweet down about injustice than Mark Davis was by his tone deafness right there in, in Las Vegas about something he made up that he didn't get approved by anyone. And he, he decides to be disappointed at the George, Lamb, George Floyd family that they want him to take it down. So it goes to show what people, our fans Irish that it should be more so at Mark Davis and it should be at LeBron James. And it definitely should be towards the issue of police reform than it is about what LeBron James said. The Mark Davis tweet, you know, people flipped out about it. The uh, Floyd family responded a couple of times saying, hey, we actually we love the support of the Raiders. Do you understand in any way what he was trying to get at that it was just it was just goofily handled? Mark, Mark Davis isn't a social media manager. There are people who have jobs for that. And then we also learned that it's an extremely non-diverse field, social media. We learned about NFL teams don't, don't have people of color running their social media accounts. And here they are. Not only do they, they don't have people that are, that are in the jobs to do that. And, I, I, and then we also have Mark Davis, a white man, a white NFL owner, mostly white-owned league, come out and say, I can breathe now. That goes to show it didn't, how the mistake was. We saw, we saw Fox personalities like Tommy Laren. We saw um, other right wing personalities like Ben Shapiro, basically come out and say something to the that sounded a little bit like what Mark Davis put out was, "Oh, um, white American can breathe a sigh of relief because black people aren't rioting and looting in, in, in American cities." And then I said this in the latest episode of, of Suit Up News. Is that there were more there was more consternation about the reaction of black people to injustice against black people than there was about the actual injustice itself. And so what Mark Davis said was seen to speak towards what, what these other commentaries look like. 
Xavier Pope, legal analyst on Thursdays, cultural analyst, as well as we talk about the aftermath of uh, the Chauvin verdict and George Floyd. There's still a lot of work to be done. And when you think about what happened here, uh, what happens if there's not a 17-year-old young lady there with a camera? I mean, uh, I mean, is this what we need? This is this is what we're, we're all going to have to be vigilant and be on watch all the time? Once again, this is what I said on the latest episode of Suit Up News. You can go to hashtag Suit Up News or my, my, my Twitter page at Xavier Pope to see the latest episode of Suit Up News. I said that if it wasn't for the video of Darnella Frazier, the 17-year-old girl, the, first of all, a 17-year-old girl had to take a picture, had to take a video. And that was used as the primary evidence in a major criminal trial. Citizens shouldn't have that responsibility. That is the responsibility of the officers on the scene that respond to their certain calls. Derek Chauvin wouldn't be convicted. He'd be walking free right now. That's number one. Number two, when you listen to the ter- testimony in the case, every single witness, including the police chief there, they were they testified to being more fully informed about what actually happened when they watched a 17-year-old's video. That is a problem. That's why we have to have body cameras on police officers that they cannot turn off. It is they, they are officers of the state, so there should be documented evidence of the interaction they have with the public. This shouldn't be a, this shouldn't be a controversial issue. It's because we see on the initial police report for George Floyd, they don't match up with what was recorded at all. So we and then we have to have journalists. When we see police reports come out after these police shootings, we cannot openly rely on them and treat them like statements of fact until we have real reform because we openly saw that there was glaring omissions, if not absolute lies, in the initial police report involving George Floyd. Right. And we saw the same thing with uh, Adam Toledo, uh, you know, the report, or at least a prosecutor locally saying, hey, that he had a gun in his hand, which brings us to uh, Wendell Pierce, the tremendous actor, one of my favorite actors, um, you know, going way back to the wire. He's just he's awesome. Uh, he had tweeted out and it was about a, a seven tweet thread uh, about the George Floyd reform bill. So w- what's in the bill? What can be changed? What will be changed? I mean, it's, it's essentially about addressing systemic racism in the country. Um, it, in addition to adding prosecutors, a racial data of policing made, made, made available to the public. Uh, and, and so I think that it's also important for we understand what's actually happening in policing. Uh, and it also has to be able to speak to the public about officers that are disciplined and because of misconduct or they're fine because of, because of abuse. So, and then that allowed, then that prevents officers from leaving one jurisdiction where they've gotten into trouble to go somewhere else. Uh, it's, it's basically like a national database. Uh, and so, but the, the thing that I don't think that this goes far enough is there has to, we saw, there was a clear cut case in Derek Chauvin. And we saw how this, I looked at the statutes in Minnesota and how they were written. Some, if the jury doesn't necessarily have the video, we talked about earlier about the video, if they don't have certain tests, they don't have certain testimony that it makes it a much more, uh, open case where we jurors may, may have doubt there. So, in addition to the different changes, including banning chokeholds, and you have to include knee restraints because knee restraints we saw in the trial is separate from a chokehold. 
in, and I stated this in Suit Up News, is that there has to be a specific change in the model penal code. Now, this is what other states use to be able to model their code, their statutes after to have specific rules on the books that if you go beyond a certain professional standard of conduct, then there's a specific criminal statute that is attached to that and has a specific delineation of that. Other professions, we saw Bernie Madoff die last week, have... He had to go. He went past a certain professional financial conduct and it resulted in him spending 150 years in prison. All the all the upset about Jesse Smollett filing a false police report. And that is on the books as being against the law. But the same way goes police officers. If you file a false police report and this is this potentially could change someone's life, their freedom, their ability to, to earn a living, that that should be a crime. It should be something that's on the books. And so. The major, the main component and the main reason that we have criminal statutes is to prevent people from doing the, the activity that violates the contract with the state. So if you have certain activities that violates the contract with the state, that means you should be criminally liable. And what that also does, it 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 deters people from doing it. So if you have we saw that these issues with George Floyd over twenty dollars, man, 20 bucks. He's dead. We saw kids harassed at a pool. We saw, uh, we saw Michael Brown over uh, from Blunts. We cigarettes with Eric Garner. We 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 see a, a license plate with the army officers. These initial interactions that seemingly harass people of color, they have to be put on the book. If you harass people against against a certain statute, you should be criminally charged. It's one of our favorite spots of the week with Xavier Pope. He's going to stick around. We come back. We'll get into uh, more legal issues out there, including maybe some movement on DirecTV. There's been a, a longstanding lawsuit that has been moving up the chain with uh, DirecTV versus bars and the Sunday ticket package. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Rolling out on a Thursday, we're live here at Silver 7s. Xavier Pope is with us. He uh, always joins us in the 2 o'clock hour. Awesome spot. We got uh, we had a rant yesterday. Uh, we have longstanding rants about Sunday ticket. I want more access to the NFL. It shouldn't be a freaking chore in 2021 to watch the games. I shouldn't be bound to uh, subscribe to a certain service to get the freaking games out of market. But that's been the deal with the NFL and DirecTV and Sunday Ticket. And, you know, I, I deal with a lot of bars around Las Vegas and the casinos. And, you know, these folks pay a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. And when I hear the numbers for the subscription, it's it's unbelievable. Well, there's been a longstanding lawsuit between uh, DirecTV and bars. And it was uh, just, you know, publicized in The Hollywood Reporter the other day. Where are we in this lawsuit and what what's at issue? The Supreme Court uh, and, and basically the NFL 32 teams colluding to keep the um, from bars from, and, and restaurants from streaming games. And basically, I mean, pretty much hacking the process to be able to, to stream games for virtually for either for free or for a low cost instead of paying uh, uh, paying the NFL. The NFL is being smart. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's why the NFL is the most profitable league in the world. Um, and they are protected with some of the various antitrust uh, and uh, exemptions and things of that nature with the National Football League. I don't I don't see this working out for bars and restaurants. Oh, I wow. just don't. I mean, I, I don't. I, I, it, 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 
I think that the solution to this for bars and restaurants would be to try to flout the, uh, just go around the system and 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 challenge and 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 then ex- hope the NFL doesn't come knocking at the door asking for 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 money. I think that and probably a way they could do the NFL is colluding, okay, and they are practically protected by the government for to collude. Then why don't bars and restaurants collude themselves? and find ways to be able to stream out of market NFL games and do so on the cheap and create, you could, they could create a whole app designed around this and, and, and let the NFL battle with them from there. But that's my thoughts on the process. They don't have to follow my advice. <laughs> yeah. Talking about business. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, there will be a legal <laughs> battle. We, we know that. Uh, the NFL was working on some rule changes. They turned down most of them. One of the suggestions from the Buffalo Bills was let's push back the beginning of the hiring process. It's sort of absurd that you get teams in the NFC semis and then in the Super Bowl where there's a bunch of coaches there who are like, wait, I can't really interview for openings. We saw outstanding candidates like Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich, uh, Raheem Morris not be able to really make a good run at head coaching positions because, well, their teams are good. Their organizations are good. So the Bills were saying, hey, let's push it all back to after the Super Bowl. And the NFL said, no, we're not going to do that, but we'll look into it. Why Why is the NFL resisting against I don't know. So it's just, this only takes, what, a, less than what, a month, a few weeks, to be able to postpone the decision? I mean, the, the NFL can, can move the start of a season – in terms of the date or or for a cap or for offseason work. I mean, there are so many different things the NFL has moved around, whether it's with the agreement of the National Football Players Association or whether it whether it is on unilaterally on its own. Why don't they do this? I mean, this I feel like this is something that current NFL coaches can really press the NFL on and make them do something. We don't you don't hear enough about NFL coaches collectively using their power with the NFL. And I think this is a this is a space where they could actually make um, significant headways with the National Football League. Am I giving Brett Favre too much credit in saying that he keeps playing into whatever appears to be a bit or is this just Brett Favre? He was on a podcast, his new podcast, and he basically explained what Chauvin was convicted for, but it came off as very much a defense of Chauvin, what what is what is he doing? What is Brett Favre? And because I'll tell you, man, he he is building a brand. There are a lot of people out there going back to his issues with women. There are a lot of people out there the issues with Mississippi in terms of uh, what looks like you know some free money he got that he didn't pay back. It this is a really weird thing with Brett Favre. Brett Favre, you just mentioned, has a new podcast, and so Brett Favre is meeting the needs of a demographic. That is a certain age group that is a certain political affiliation, and most of it is is white grievance. And with white grievance content, you don't have to be factually correct in order to make your points, in order to, to grab headlines. Brett Favre sounded like an idiot. He basically stated that I don't – that Derek Chauvin didn't mean to kill George Floyd, but he went too far. He, that is the definition that is based embedded in Minnesota statutes on second degree manslaughter, a charge for which Derek Chauvin was convicted of. And so you basically admitted to your audience that I believe that Derek Chauvin should have been convicted of a crime. Yet, I don't think he should have been convicted of a crime. And that's <laughs> the problem. 
is that you're presenting anti-intellectual, embedded, bigoted sentiments, then try to cover your tracks that act like you didn't say something that was bigoted. But we all know what he said and what it was meant to, to stir up in people who have grown up where he grew up, have the same politics where he grew up, and have a certain way of looking at the world. It's a stick. It's, it's he's doing. He's meeting the need of people who want to be able to eat up his content. Xavier Post with us on Cofield and Company. I find what Jeopardy is doing to be pretty interesting. This uh, elongated process of trying to find a new host, if that's indeed what they're really trying to do. I could see them trying out eight, ten people, and then they're like, nope, it was this person all along who, like, you don't even know about. But the latest group coming up, so we had Aaron Rodgers, we had Dr. Oz, he was not received well. Uh, We had Ken Jennings, like the grand champion of all time in Jeopardy. Uh, Now coming up, you're going to have Robin Roberts, George Stephanopoulos, David Faber, Joe Buck, and LeVar Burton. All try out for the Jeopardy position. Are you, first of all, are you a Jeopardy person? Because we have some intense Jeopardy fans on our show. Um, and what do you think about this whole process? And is there an importance to this gig? I mean, it is one of the bigger you know game shows in the history of television. Is there importance uh, to who actually gets the gig? Fans of all demographics, of walks of life, it is a, a game, a quiz show. Reminds of being in school as a kid. And and as you as an adult and knowing that a lot of these questions you may not necessarily know, but you're learning something and to have education on TV that goes to different generations is, is fascinating because Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are two game shows that survived the big game show boom of the 1980s when there were every single network. There were three, four game shows back to back to back on every network of a variety of different types. And those were the two shows that indelibly have stayed in our consciousness with Pat Sajak and Vanna White still being on TV to this day and Alex Trebek staying on, on the air for so many, so many years before he passed away. And so we, I think the show initially had Ken Jennings on it. And I think they thought that if they could just plug, they thought they could just maybe plug someone in there and the institution would continue undeterred. But Ken Jennings wasn't necessarily a good host. He was a good Jeopardy player, right. but he wasn't a good host. And so I, when I was watching the episodes, I said, oh, he's not, he's not doing very well. They need to probably bring someone else on. And so the, and Jeopardy saw it as an opportunity to be able to keep people engaged with its show by, by connecting to different hosts. And, but I don't know, they can't keep this up forever. I mean, they can keep it up now, <laughs> right? but once, and, I, that, and you have to wonder like, why did they keep LeVar Burton waiting so long? Cause LeVar Burton, he wanted this job for years, even when Alex, Alex Trebek was still there. It's, how do we keep people's attention until we get the permanent host? And I think that they're doing a really good job of that. Aaron Rodgers was spectacular as a host. Um, he would make a great host. I feel, you know, Anderson Cooper is another host that's made for that job. Joe Buck would get a lot of <laughs> ire from sports fans. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether he would be good at that job, but I'm looking at people who, in terms of them being a straight person uh, for the job and doing the job, but then doing adding a little humor those are the three people that seem to be naturally fit for the job. I thought that Leslie Jones would be great for the job because you make the show entertaining. A lot of people disagree with me. That's perfectly fine. Um, and then we have Robin Roberts, who I think actually would be really good for that job as well. And but a lot of people have been going for LeVar, LeVar Burton. This is LeVar Burton's job to lose. I, in my oh, opinion. Wow. I think that LeVar, yeah, LeVar Burton. Uh, and I think it's also Robin Roberts job to lose as well. I think she has an inside track. She's a dark horse to be the next host of Jeopardy, at least for some period of time. So um, it's 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 exciting to see the different machinations of who wants to be on the show. I, I love the different approaches that they've taken to different hosts. I feel they've chosen a lot of good people. 
Dr. Oz was a really strange choice um, that people didn't like. That was connected to a lot of different things that don't really have anything to do with hosting a quiz show per se. Um, but I'm interested to see who they choose next after LeVar Burton and the rest of the uh, rest of this current crop. But I, I love it. I love I've loved Jeopardy for years. I watch Jeopardy reruns. I'm a huge Jeopardy fan. I keep score. Literally, I, <laughs> I, I keep score at home. Nice. So it's a great institution. I, a lot of people are rooting for LeVar Burton, but I do think there's some other people that are natural fits for the job. Uh, I appreciate well. all the time today. This has been great. Xavier Pope with us here at Silver Sevens uh, live on this Thursday. We are a very carnivorous show. We're always sending out steaks and ribs, and we're crazy on this stuff. I will say, uh, you got me this week out of your vegan kitchen. You had a chili coconut mango bowl with Beyond Meat chili garlic chickpea rice. That's good. That's good. And then uh, chili garlic asparagus. Uh, black beans. My God, it looked tasty. Listen, that was so good. And I get so much uh, <laughs> yeah. responses and messages. Please send me this recipe. We have, I have a big vegan kitchen cookbook is in the works. So I cannot share with you the recipe, but they're coming. But that, that chili mango bowl, coconut mango bowl was incredible. It was as I'm cooking it. And I, I wanted to caramelize at the end, get it nice and sweet. The coconut milk is added, and so it's some maple syrup and some vanilla. And it just, and then with the chili, and it just makes it pop. It just, just gives you that tropical feel. It is so good. And uh, a lot of people were just like, where is that? Give me this now. <laughs> Deliver this to my home immediately. <laughs> what, do you, uh, what do you have up this week with Suit Up News? Uh, suit Up News, we are continuing to cover um, the, the different things that are happening with, uh, with our society and the various changes and machinations that are going on. But I'm also going to talk a little bit more about how the sports world is responding. And now they're involved with every single issue that happens off, off the field and how the sports respond to that and how does sports responsibly respond to that. That's the next episode of the Studio. There he is. Xavier Pope, Rutgers Law guy. Always got to mention that or at least mention it every once in a while. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, you, bro. Check out Suit Up News on Twitter from Xavier Pope, attorney out of Chicago. Time for a giveaway. 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 11. You get the VIP treatment at Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color. Caller 11, the winner gets a haircut, hot lather neck shave, a shoulder massage, plus the free massage shampoo. It's Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color, two locations in Henderson at Stephanie and Sunset. And there's also a Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color at South Rainbow. And the 215 Caller 11 gets the VIP package from Floyd's 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.